Our guest today, Candice Riley, is the founder of MBE Fitness. Her organization is a well-being platform for those looking for inclusive mind and physical activities. She stopped by to talk about personal wellness, the wellness of society, and how perhaps the concept of equity may be an illusion. To learn more about MBE Fitness, go to the show notes and click on mbafitness.com. Welcome to Black Equity, Candice. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Wonderful. Did I, I pronounce your name correctly? You know what? It, it flew past me. I didn't even. <laughs> I didn't even like. So how, how do you say your name? Comprehend. It's Candice. Yeah. Candice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, welcome to Black Equity. I'm glad you're here. For those who don't know who you are, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your company. Okay, so I'm Candice Riley. I'm the founder of MBE Fitness, a holistic brand helping those traditionally from across the abilities groups. So those could be identified with a chronic illness, a disability, or know that in some shape or form they live with something that might need um, continuous aids. So that could be med- medicine or just a dietary that they have to keep to. So it could be diabetic, for instance. And that can be something that you know you have to be quite aware of how you live your life. Mm. Um, so I built this building, um, this business around that. But it isn't exclusive. It's all-encompassing. So if you're a carer of somebody, we've been working with what we call our NHS, which is our National Board of Medical Provision in the UK. Um, And we also just work with anybody. So we've worked with families. We've run a summer camp. We do loads of stuff. So um, that's what MBE Fitness is and what I do. This is going to be a fascinating conversation. We were talking before I, I pressed the record button. And I'm just like, wow, your mind is like next level. And so I'm yeah. like, we got to press record because I don't want to miss anything. No. So I didn't realize that your brand was tailored towards, like you were saying, diabetic, um, uh, those who may, it, it, did you use the word disability? I want to make sure. Yeah. So um, I float around several different um, terms and I'll try my best to always okay. explain them because sometimes people pop in and out of listening to things. Right. Um, so chronic illness being somebody who sees themselves living with a long-term or short-term illness. So that could be mental health, or, um, which is something we call a cycle or cyclical kind of um, health condition. You may not always suffer with it um, all the time. Um, But then there are people who do have long-term mental health, um, such as uh, someone living with, um, I'm trying to think of a mental health condition right now. But anyway, some of you might know there's like long-term health conditions around mental health. Um, And then you have people who are living with like cystic fibrosis, or they could be living with um, some some form of bone issue um and these are things that maybe you don't see like um i don't always think you can know someone has those um so we work with people like that um but then we could be doing some of our sessions with a little bit more um explicit i guess with like my chair dance classes mm-hmm. some of my seated workouts i try to show those on my social media a bit more so people know these are the spaces that i've been creating for a while working with different forms of ability so that's why I use the cross ability language but then I also use like carers people who we started calling essential workers during the lockdown that became kind of a phrase Mm -hmm, Um, I uh, work with um, parents and this became a thing because of um, 
working with people I call the golden age, the mm. over 50s. Okay. Um, I found that they were still parents. So you found a lot of grandparents, those uh, fathers or mothers um, were like still looking after the next generation. And so you'd find that sometimes they'd say, I can't come to the session because I'm looking after grandbabies. And you say, okay, how, how young are we talking? Because I have a DBS. So that's a, something in the UK. I don't know if it's the same language in the States, um, but it's a check that allows me to be able to work with children. And so I'm DBS checked. And so you'd be like, bring them along. Right, right, right. Let's have them in the space. And people who find it fun being able to do things with different age groups. So we use the word cross-generational activity. But yes, it does make it quite interesting when I go in front of maybe pitching someone for investment and things and they ask Mm. me, can you narrow down who you work with specifically? And you're like, who do you want me to work with? Right. (laughs) Maybe we could tailor the funding around who you want. Because fitness is for everybody. I mean, really, is is there anybody who doesn't need fitness? (laughs) (laughs) So I see what you mean. But specifically the mission that you're on with you're saying chronic illness, how did that is there is there is there an origin story to that of how that relates to yes. you in some way? So okay. not me specifically, but my okay. father became uh, visually impaired and was starting to lose his hearing as well. And um I went into um a co-caring position with my mother. And the more I went into different spaces, I realized like some of the things that I heard, especially with, like diabetes clinics or in um, Afro-Caribbean communities, is there were some things that were just preventable. And there's like this hint already in the name of my business. It's fitness. It's the upkeep of your well-being after you hit a certain age. And the age is actually quite younger than people would expect most um, Afro-Caribbean people in the UK actually start to fall out of regular exercise as young as 45. So it's a misconception in the UK that they think it's just when you like retire and that's that's when all the bad things start to kick in. Um, and it's actually like just poor life decisions by the time you're already 45, that then leads into um, some of the preventable um, conditions such as like high blood pressure, um, heart disease, lung disease, all of these kind of things can be prevented if you just kind of kept more mobile, did some social activities. Isolation is a huge one that causes a lot of issues in um, long-term health conditions. Um, so I was just like, how do I, how do I tell young people, you know? Mm keep them active because I know that everybody has this like life goal I see a lot of people way into like their late 30s still saying every year let's go back to the gym we can do this let's try again right and then what happens what like is it at 40 or is it younger and so I wanted to figure out when is it that that kind of like let's just been that I'm I'm done with this new year goal not gonna do it anymore you know I'm too old for this maybe I have too many caring responsibilities you know, life has got in the way. When does it happen? And so I started doing my classes all the way back in 2016 to work mm-hmm. this out. And as you can see, I haven't quite worked it out. It's a real um, difference depending on which group of people you're talking to. And I don't really think you can homogenize it. So you kind of have to 
work on the different groups as you confront them, really. So that leads me to my next origin question. So how did you get into fitness? How how specifically did you say, you know what, fitness is my thing, it's my gift, it's something, a gift I want to give the world? Okay, so technically, um, if I'm really pedantic, let's use that word, um, I started dancing at three years old. And by my fourth birthday, I had asked my mom to go take me to tap dancing lessons. Okay. And my mom thinking, "Mm, you're like four? (laughs) Like, where are we going to find tap dancing lessons for you? But she took me. And then I said I wanted to be a ballerina because I saw Misty, of course. And she was like, um... Like, okay, let's see if this place does that. They didn't. So I was actually going to two different dance schools for a while. And that just became a lot for my family. And I just did that up until I was about 18. I even took on some other dances while I was doing that. And then when I went to university, I wanted to continue doing dance lessons. But there wasn't any in my local area. And it would have been about two hours to go home for a dance class. And I thought that was a bit, a bit much. Just a so, little bit, just a little just bit. Just a bit much. So I joined my local gym and they actually had um, aqua aerobics. And the woman there was talking about how she had been a dancer and that's how she got into aqua aerobics. And I and my best friend at the time used to work out in the gym together and he decided to become a PT. So I just became a PT too. And we just trained to become PTs. Uh, we both qualified um, at the time. Time, just to give you a little bit more backstory, I used to be called um, Rory the Rottweiler. Okay. Um, because I was a little more beastie looking than I look now. Wait, hold on. Um, now. How do we define beastie? Because you so know, we're talking like ripped, how's beastie like, in UK? Like ten pack, even though it's not possible. Like I was okay. Like, wow. I was strong, um, and at the time, people used to call me Team the Most. Because I used to like just do a lot of weights. Yeah. And like if a, if a guy challenged me in the gym, I'd usually beat him. Okay. So it was this, this whole connotation. Gotcha. gotcha. And um, then I started getting into like holistic well-being because I was working with that woman who did the aqua aerobics. I was talking to a lot of the mature women that I had worked with at the gym as their PT. And the more I learned about what other variations of well-being there was, I met my first, um, let's call mentor. Okay. And Nelza really took me under her wing and just showed me like there's a lot in the PT world and there's a lot of like things to look at. And um, yeah, you could be a basic PT if you want, or you could branch out and see what else is out there because what else is out there is what will make you like what people want that will be mm. your thing and I think since 2016 I've really had to just be authentic that you know um I joke to people I can't get you a BBL you know that's not it's not <laughs> what I'm about okay so, I, you know I can I can take you to someone who might okay. be able to do that but I, I, I'm not that kind of um, PT. I would make you cry and unhook your mental burdens and make you feel good before we even do 10 squats. So, mm. you know, like, 
um, if that's what you would like, some mental growth and feeling better about yourself and feeling, you know, like this is the environment you want to be in. Like every time you come here, it's more than um, looking at the weight on the scale and seeing if you lost weight or not. Like, and I'm not trying to demoralize other kinds of PTs. I do not want to do that, but that I just want to be really clear about the kind of training ideas. It's not that. I appreciate the clarity. So for you, the mind is a big part of all of this. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah. I don't, I don't think you're doing yourself justice if you don't look after your mind, because your mind is the very thing that gets you up in the morning and into the gym in the first place. So if you are already battling with the fact that you don't want to be here, then let's not be here. That's always been my attitude. Let's work out outdoors. Like, why come into a gym if that's not where you want to be? I agree. But I would say, and let's open this thing up. Yeah. I would say, why go into anything that you aren't 100% committed to if you're going in there with a negative attitude, whether it's the gym, friendship, business, a new job, whatever, why would you go in half-ass? I think it's one of my biggest pet peeves. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I think with the, as long as this was a question you was asking, it was very good. Um, oh, what's that word when you're not asking a question? Oh, I can't think of the word. <laughs> There's a word for when you're not at, it's a statement. It's not a question. Mm, anyway, because okay. um, that was a very, a very good version of it. Um, I think that. Oh, like a rhetorical. It, yes, that's the word. Got you, got you. Um, I think that if you don't have some form of retraction from something, then you should always think about it right that's the i'm just going to throw that out there right if you're going into something and you don't have anything that's telling you not to do it just take a moment to pause okay why and the only reason i say that is sometimes it's not a good thing right sometimes it's not a good thing you know like when you buy something and and then after you bought it you went ooh. Mm -hmm. that's why you should have thought about it just for a second before you bought it mm. because the adrenaline of just doing it without any eh, was probably the reason you should have thought about it That's but fair. then if you're thinking about more than three reasons not to do something then you need to think of three reasons why you should gotcha and i think like they both work hand in hand both attitudes of i'm just going to go do it um without any thought of second thought about it requires a second thought Try a second thought. I know mm. sometimes you're thinking about it. Like I am one of those people. I use a Nintendo Switch. I like to play video games. There has been plenty of times I bought games on my Switch that I'd never played a game. Mm-hmm. Just because spur of the moment, I'm like, this looks good. Pay. And then afterwards, mm, right. Could I have spent my money a bit more wisely? Yeah. Um, but then I'd say on the other hand, you could be like, uh, let me use an example that's health related. You could be thinking about taking up a step class and your first thought is, um, I got bad knees. And then you're like, by the time, would I be able to get there from work? And then your third thing could be like, 
don't know. I'm very stressed out right now. I don't know if I want to be taking on all of the programming and planning to get to this um, step class. Mm-hmm. But then I'll say throw out three things. Step class could remove the stress. So do you have to really plan to get to the step class? Or are you saying that you're trying to plan to get there? If it's a good step teacher, they might even be able to help you with your knees and how you maneuver through the exercise, right? Mm-hmm. And then the last one being getting there from work. Is there other days? Is there a way you can compromise your work? Like do half of your lunch rather than the full lunch so you can get out of the office and get to the step class, you know, like I'm all in favor of taking great breaks at work, but in the UK you get like, I think it's an hour and a quarter. So just like drop that break, that quarter break mm-hmm. and use that to get out of the office, you know, you know, forfeit and stuff. Um, but that's, that's what I would throw out to people is try and figure out what is stopping you from doing the thing. And it's not that it's in contrary to what you're saying, because there are things where sometimes it's um, your gut telling you some things yeah. not right. Mm-hmm. But have you ever challenged your gut? Mm. You know, uh, me, I do it all the time just to give a chance at the thing. And that right. could be like, um, this person was late to my PT class. It's kind of annoying because it means we keep running in to the next class that I have. But then we could just set up a call with the person and say, you know what? Should we do half the class that we're trying to do because you keep being late? Or should we move your class so you can get the full time and then you're on time? Mm. And you propose the conversation to the person rather than just being like, my gut is telling me you're, you're, you're messing me about. I'm actually going to go and take a moment to pause and think through a, a situation with you. I like, I like that way of thinking. I like that way of thinking. Um, here's what I hear from that. I hear balance. Mm. Right. So if I'm, if I'm just running in to the burning building, like, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> Let's think about this. Do I have, do I at least have my fire suit on, you know, for this particular mission? Or, or if I'm like, you know what, I don't want to do it at all. Mm. You know, let me at least think about that and say, well, there is a a person inside and I can save their life Mm. type of situation. So what I'm hearing from you and what I'm gathering, the wisdom that you're putting on the table is, hey, let's, let's kind of review and Mm. assess and let's just make sure just the extra thought could potentially help us decide. We still may not do it but at least we gave it its fair value mm. of thought before we just dismiss it or just run at it. Mm-hmm. That's true. Balance. So are you about, do you often approach life that way? Where is a, a lot of balance to the way you maneuver? I think that I can always be off balance. Mm. And so, like, last year, um, there was a, quite a few points in um, my life where I said, we were so off balance. Like, it was crazily not in my favor. Mm-hmm. But then we look back on it, 
and we go okay this is but this was learning this is learning you know like for me I um started a crowdfund this small plug for myself but like I started a crowdfund and I never saw all the things um coming the bereavements the changing jobs just COVID Omicron could not have been more of a curveball in my crowdfund plans than anything I ran my launch event during the crowdfund and all the people I ruled out not coming to the event came Mm. you know these are different things of balance that you're all probably thinking how is this off balance I'm saying like when you are someone like myself who tried to plan for balance you're trying to plan everything and give people like what's the, what's the phrase you're trying to give people opportunities to prove you wrong or mm-hmm. you assume a situation so you set up things to flow for that way mm-hmm. of contingencies yeah Mm-hmm. That that led to a lot of moments where I was doing a lot in other spaces and not leaving much reserves, mm. but then learning from it and going, gotcha. okay, you know, the world right now can't be planned around, but I can plan sensibly for myself because gotcha. I can be a contingency, right? Mm. I know that I shouldn't work past this time. Mm-hmm. I need this many hours to recuperate. I need to set up an hour block between my classes. 30 minutes is not enough. It looks like enough written down on paper, but it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, I can say that I'm like queen of telling people to have balance, can show people how to have balance, but in practice, I'm a great learner from my imbalance. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Okay. There's a couple of things you've mentioned that I want to yeah. dive deeper into. Um, which one do I want to do first? That's a question. Mm. Well, you just mentioned the crowdfund, right? Yeah. So how are we looking on that? Is there still opportunities for those who want to invest in your work? I think what I would phrase rather than the crowdfund, There's an opportunity, I think, the way I'm looking at the business I do to um, see whichever works best for you. So we're an online platform Mm -hmm. and we run hybrid sessions so people can be in person or online. Um, So it benefits all of our members who are across the stratosphere. Right now, we actually have two members in Australia. So wherever you listen to this podcast, you will not be the the only one far flung around the world right. tuning in. Um, and we have two ways of people looking at our platform. You can become a member and then you choose what type of membership you'd like to have or you can become a supporter and you still get access to the platform. So for this year in um, 2022, so I keep forgetting the year, it's only six days in allow me it's okay it's okay and and um, we're just allowing both to use the platform and we're going to see how this goes for the first year and see which one works better do people prefer being a supporter mm-hmm. and like um now and again 
interacting with our content and seeing what, what's going on? Or do they want to be members who like avidly use the platform on a regular basis? And that's just going to help us figure out um, which one to push more. So mm. we have both on the website. You can click in and see which tariff works better for you. I'm sensing balance in that decision as well. Um, you mentioned earlier about uh, Afro-Caribbeans. Are mm. you Afro-Caribbean? No, I'm just Caribbean. But okay. technically Afro-Caribbean because my heritage is always going to be African. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, my, my direct lineage is to Barbados and Montserrat. So Caribbean. Barbados and where? Montserrat. Okay. And um, have you had a chance to visit? I visited um, Barbados. Okay. Uh, cynically, when I was born, um, Montserrat had a volcanic eruption. So the actual bit that my grandparents are from actually no longer is inhabitable. Mm. So um, my wish is to kind of get there as at this point in time, thinking about exploring the unhabitable bit and seeing if it's ready for habitat. Mm, that's actually pretty dope. Um, yeah, I know, you know. That would be a dope, dope mission. Um, I might have to call you up so I can help document that. That would be really awesome. Yes. Yeah. There's some great videos of people tra- traveling around Montserrat. And it mm-hmm. looks like quite um, a new birth island. Mm. Yeah. You know, I was studying volcanoes. I um, well, Let me give a little backstory. Okay. So, it don't, doesn't, so it doesn't sound as random. Like, why is this dude going around studying volcanoes? But I uh, I grew up part of my childhood in Hawaii, oh, okay. and uh, I'd kind of been fascinated with volcanoes because there's a whole bunch of volcanoes on the island. Yeah. And then uh, I just went back uh, recently, maybe a couple of months ago, not to Hawaii, but just in my mind, thinking about volcanoes. And I just started, like one night, I just started researching volcanoes. Mm. And it may have been something I always knew, but I needed to remind myself of. Mm. Everything is a volcano. Every landmass that we see is a form of a volcanic volcanic eruption of some sort. And once I hit that, I said, oh my goodness, we are just all products are all living through volcanoes. Like volcanoes basically determine everything and we'd never even pay them any mind unless they erupt. Yeah, but you know what I find funny about the volcanoes? Is it like the weird natural disaster? Like we have kind of, especially some of us living in certain parts of Europe, we Mm -hmm. very much see volcanoes um, as this maybe thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas like tornadoes and tsunamis and things like that, we're kind of like, Ooh, mm-hmm. that doesn't look good right. and they seem like the bad boys right if you right. have a typhoon it's like whoa right. that's like next level mm-hmm. like that's really bad and i feel like it's because hurricanes happen quite frequently and right. as much as we shouldn't see that as a norm it's definitely because of um environmental impacts but we we, we kind of get through the alphabet over and over again with the mm-hmm. hurricanes Sorry. and so we kind of normalize it but with the volcanoes when those go off everybody's like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. what do 
who upset that volcano? And it's like, it's not, um, it's not really, that's, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not like someone was chatting bad about the volcano and the volcano was like, I'm going to prove you wrong. Right. And like explode it. Right. <laughs> but they're seen as these kind of rocks that should stay dormant. Mm-hmm. And they should just behave themselves and never erupt. Mm. and so whenever i see a volcano going off in the news it's very much like like the world is coming to an end yeah and it's actually a horrible very quite, thing has happened it's quite fascinating that the, just the way that we approach volcanoes mm. because it literally has determined so much on our earth mm. um as far as the formation of everything and how we view each other um, but also like we don't mind it if it's like you know the hot springs kind of like sauna like get your mud culture mud face masks like if it's like mm. that kind of volcano yeah we like oh okay let's go for explore explore go for like a trek backpack through mm-hmm. the volcano we right. fine with that but i think the way we look at the earth as something we can just like have at our like disposal is why I feel like volcanoes get dissed because they're seen as like a product mm. of use, right. not as like a thing that is going to naturally do something. Like, not that they're a ticking time bomb, but that is literally scientists that watch volcanoes and predict their movements and how they impact the whole um what's it plates and etc around the world like they they watch all of this stuff and I find them interesting when they get to have their two minutes of fame the Mm -hmm. scientists when they come out and they go yes we've been watching this and people kind of look at them like how dare you how you not tell us this earlier and it's like um they might have been telling you know that new movie came out on netflix i'm not sure i'm thinking that we, yes don't look up right and a lot of times people be telling us stuff and then we just be like oh really and then we just go about watching reality tv whatever is the thing at the time and it's like no like they just told you like something big's about to happen and you decided that it's not that important to you and you decided not to look up well, that's why I say I feel like because we see the planet more of our thing to consume mm-hmm. mm. rather than to live with. Gotcha. Maybe if we use that language, right? Um, yeah. If we lived with it and we listened to it and we respected it, maybe we'd have a different relationship with it. But um, just to be slightly, slightly, ever so slightly political, this is why I've always respected taking time. If I get the opportunity to be anywhere near these kind of communities, I'm like, say very little, missing loads. It's like all Indigenous people across the planet. All Indigenous people. Uh, in the UK, you've got a lot of folk communities, traveller communities, uh, people who live in cul-de-sacs or ha- um, hamlets, 
who are like very focused on the land and the spaces they're in. Um, but I've been back to like the Caribbean and I've had the fortune of being in the Americas. And it's just amazing when you can meet people who actually their life revolves around actually sticking to traditional care and respect of the earth. Mm. And the, um, the way that in the UK, these kind of groups are marginalized and um, dismissed is actually quite ironic when you're looking at them and you're like, they're less likely to be making their issues. I'm just saying. Right. You're kind of making them out to be bad people because they don't do this or they don't succumb to capitalism this way. And, um, well, I'm just saying a couple of the things they're doing could be helpful if we all took them on board. I've noticed that we tend to, as a collective, as a society, Mm. We tend to get really upset with people we can't manipulate. Yeah. And the fact that, oh, y'all are not using cell phone or whatever it may be. They might <laughs> yeah. use cell phones. But whatever the thing is that they're not doing at the time, we're like, wait a second. How dare you not do what we do on a regular basis? And it's like, wait, but why? Who said that that was the way that it had to be? Why does everybody have to conform? The thing is, I do love that. I'm I, actually going to use what you've just said. I do love the cell phone ideology that we can all connect and be more um, cohesive if we mm-hmm. had cellular um, contact. But it doesn't work on the premise of where I sit in it, right? And the uh, reason I use this as an example is just maybe like, come back to what I was talking about with my business is like um I was working with different groups of people across the ability spectrum mm-hmm. and running my business hybrid was because people sometimes don't have internet so then you give them an opportunity to be in person but right. sometimes people have internet but then don't have the level to be able to participate so you make the internet version good enough for them to be able to participate Sometimes people can't be in person, but might be able to watch back. So you need to have internet system so you can record your session, so you can give it to them at the end of the day. But this all works around us all being connected to the internet. Problem we have when we went into lockdown is it assumed everyone had the internet. And for the first time, people like me were heard because I had been complaining Mm. this does not work not everybody has access it only worked outside of lockdown because I had the opportunity to bring people in Mm. now we're all locked down you assume my business is going to work because I already had the hybrid setup actually thousands of people US UK Australia France was finding it couldn't get people online Children were stuck at home, not being able to do um, simple participation in school because they never had internet at home. It's an assumption. Especially. Huge assumption. I apologize. And these are non-Indigenous people, right? These were just supposedly part of society already. And so I love that opportunity to kind of like use that model of like the Indigenous people had that set already. They had community education. They understood about 
um, educating their, their community so that they could come into our society. It was never about like not being part of our society. It was about mm-hmm. a chosen element. Do you want to go? Or you've got this. Mm. Whereas we had this setup of this is it. You just have to kind of be in here. Yeah. And this is why I found it really telling when we all had to go into isolation. And for the first time, people kind of heard what I had been saying all along. I've been like, Mm. this is not going to work. You know, when people saying like gambling went up, I was like, yeah, because Mm. y'all finally saw how many gambling websites are out there. I've been talking about this with advertising. Like if you have a well-being business, you are less likely to be seen compared to like gambling um, or indebting applications like, you know, like um, buy now, um, pay later schemes and things. I was like, you know, these kind of things were happening. And so yet you've not put in a system that just equalizes access to internet and equalizes access to, you know, the good stuff, in my opinion. Well, it's just the things you need education health yeah. i mean you're dropping a lot of gems so i'm trying to keep up with you right <laughs> um so you're dropping this thing to my equalizing in a world that doesn't want equity it does it does well hold it on does. hold on hold on let me let me put it all on the table and then you, if i'm wrong come at me right oh no okay. i think it doesn't want equity because the people are, who are in power would lose some of their power in order for others to be to receive their equity and gain power. So you got power mm. and the people who want equity. And if they got their equity, then, uh, right, it'll be like right in the middle, right? Mm. And the reason why equity isn't across the board is because they just want to be up just, just enough to say we're mm-hmm. better than you. Yeah. Uh, we're we're at a higher class system than you, and for whatever reason, that's important until the aliens come or whatever another planet arrives, and we're like, wait a second, it doesn't matter that I'm better than you. Go ahead, I'm sorry, no, I put no, it all on the table it, now. It, it would still work. It would still okay. work, and this is why I I always challenge equity. Equity is subjective. Okay. Because when you get the more I've gone to like different spaces and community ladders you know all of that I feel like we're in one big pyramid scheme let's just let let me just like throw that out there okay okay one big pyramid scheme right and I love being at the bottom there's more of us down here where it works way better us having all of our different systems down here than it does the more you go up Mm. but the more you go up the more they expect equity it's crazy it's crazy, right? You'll have loads of people who are in power, but they expect the same level of equity of that power, mm. right? They don't expect to become, let's use the example, like you don't expect to become a, a, a president, but you're less of a president than another president. Mm. You're meant to be all presidents together. Right. But then there's this weird thing that happens where, I look at it sometimes you have like the the first world and you're like wait 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 first world presidents are more than well you got a point you got the third we call them third world and we're more important than your presidency you got a point and so every level there's like this new form of equity fight 
Mm. And so I know everybody wants equity. The equity is subjective. I'm still sticking down here, indigenous level. I'm, I'm humming to their beat. We have to look after the planet. The more of us who get that, the better. And there is more of us, I feel, I'm very um, optimistic with my beliefs, just throwing that out there. But I believe the more of us down here at the bottom and the more of us who think we're going to be saving the planet together, the better. Like, you know, what? you guys up there, the more up there you are, who are like fighting for different kinds of equity mm-hmm. amongst yourselves, you know, like do that. It's not great. You should be more preoccupied with like our theories down here. But if you want to do that up there, we below presume you are doing it like better. And I think that's the fight I've been seeing more and more in the last couple of years. More and more people want to understand how this works because previously, I would say 1940s back, Mm-hmm. We understood kings and queens, right? Mm-hmm. And that kind of worked. And then those kind of like sizzled out. But I feel like the 1980s, nobody was like royalty. <laughs> nobody right. was like that. Right. And so celebrity culture and socialites and um, what's it called? Instagram celebrities and all of this has been created. And this is what I'm saying about the equity thing. Mm-hmm. People are like, uh, is an injured in like is a TikTok star the same power as a like Usher? You know, like are they yeah. are they the same? Or like is a YouTuber as important as someone who works for the UN? Mm. Like because some YouTubers be spitting facts. They do. But then you've technically voted someone into Congress not speaking facts and you're like who's more important you know what there's this equity fight of our time and who should be the one making the decision and Mm. how we listen to people and i feel that's where we're at and that's the only reason why i say i feel we're all fighting for equity i think the, the, the opinions of equity are different and i think there is a definite pyramid scheme going on here 100 we've been sold it's whatever you want to call it. We've been sold it. I'm not giving it no name. We've been sold it. And everybody's thinking they want this thing, whatever mm-hmm. it is, but they're not sure how they're going to get there. And so from my perspective, I'm just kind of trying to work out when, when's the next thing? What's the next thing? Or is this the thing now? Mm. You know, like understanding this new hierarchy. Um, I don't actually think it's impossible for a new thing to happen in the coming generation because we're in mm. Generation Z, right? Um, I think like my kids would be like the next generation. They don't have a name yet. Um, but that 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 generation after it, after mm-hmm. TikTok, is coming. Okay. And fair. People need to like p- appreciate that generation is coming. Okay. So they're, they're like five at the moment right mm-hmm. and we're really fixated on the ones who are like 10 12 right now mm-hmm. but the five girls are coming and us i'm saying i'm a millennial we don't get it 
Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think, in my opinion, many of us know what's going on. We we got what the um, baby boomers were saying, and we got what like the in between baby boomers and millennials were saying, and now we're fighting similar conversation to the baby boomers and there's this like new conversation happening and that's how I see if we just go back to giving the world a little bit more love attention I really liked a little bit of early lockdown when we were all zooming each other just to check in yeah see how people were telling stories people were actually producing good podcasts there were some good podcasts at the beginning yeah. of lockdown. I remember there was some new content that was really trying to make people fresh think. thinking. Yeah, you know, if we could, I don't know, tune into a little bit of that. I have a sneaky suspicion you're going to see a little bit of that at the beginning of this year because mm-hmm. I think I don't know if we're going back into lockdown or anything. I don't, I don't know, right? But I do think there is a shift happening. Mm. A re- another reshift, especially I, I think certain countries are going to have different type of economic crashes. I'm not trying to be mm. negative. I'm just saying the cycle. No, but it's a fact. Right, right. It's a economic fact. Because some of the Western countries don't have the dosh that they had before. Correct. And so when these crashes come, mm. it's going to create new cycles of how we look at everything. But you, you know, you mentioned the pyramid scheme. And I'm not sure of the time frame that we have left. I know you're a very busy woman, um, but I also wanted to talk about what we talked about before we got on the podcast, yeah. which was about um, Black-owned businesses, but we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Yeah. But Let's I want to touch on your pyramid, pyramid scheme yeah. real quick. Okay. I'll concede your thought. Concede Ooh. to your rationale of, okay, there's a pyramid scheme and everybody, depending on where they go on the top or on each level they're all fighting for equity but then i would challenge that and say all that equity that is being discussed Mm -hmm. there is imaginary and it's it's an illusion of equity yeah but all of it is an illusion of equity so when the like if we look back in history just for an example right sure um when i'm going to use uk history for you and get real political so okay do your just thing. This. go for it when the white man was doing all of what he needed to do right for the mm-hmm. king gotcha. he was not happy but he was doing it mm-hmm. then we're told we're told that there was a shift poor houses middle class upper class royalty or aristocracy mm-hmm. we're told there was a shift some people got to be middle class mm. but what they don't tell you is that was the first time they outsourced the jobs to India, Africa and the New America Australia mm-hmm. was being born when you say outsourced do you mean slavery? yeah 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 gotcha yeah but the white man, to this day, we've just had Brexit in our country and they still believe they're getting their jobs back. Baby boo, your job not coming back. 
this is not how equity is going to happen for you. Mm. It's sold to you that the problem was your job being taken away. Mm. The problem was is this fallacy of middle class, this new equity that could be in the middle and you know help the poor man, but not be quite poor no more. Right? You're, you're not poor, you're middle class. Yeah. You're not poor anymore. You've like got yourself out of poverty. Yeah. You can help them, but you have to keep your position as middle class because you don't want to go back down there. Mm. And an upper class, right? You never want to go back. You never want to be back down, down there as poor. But you're not mm. middle class not either. You're upper class. And that's a fallacy because without middle class, your kids don't get taught because in the UK, a middle class job is being a teacher. And your house doesn't stay clean without poor people. Because you would never touch death home or clean your house. This is also not a fast, you know, like I'm not trying to take mean, I'm not trying to be mean to nobody. You can be rich if you want. I'm just saying this is the fallacy of the pyramid scheme, right? The poor people have been told that they will not be as poor anymore if they get their jobs back. But your job is not coming back because to uplift people to middle class and to upper class there has to be this outsell of your jobs it doesn't work if there isn't a group below you who are migrants and specifically ethnic mm. it doesn't work because if you look at it bigger than that if you look at it bigger than the uk it mm. doesn't work if there's no third world countries Get rid of third world countries don't work. What's the point? It's almost like it's almost like they skipped the second world. And second world don't work either because you have to have third world. That's what I'm saying. It's almost like there's a first world, Mm. and then there's a third world. Where's the second? (laughs) No, but second world is is built up on the subjectiveness of that you're not as bad as what we're going to classify and be open and frank about, which are Black or Asian countries. Right. You're not as bad as them. And bad, not because poor is bad, but because the the language used around poverty, third world, is not to be progressive or good or forward-thinking. You can be developing, but developing doesn't mean that you are a success or will reach success Mm. and that's why I feel like it's a fallacy right because we look at certain images of like Detroit in the USA and we're like y'all said first world this not first world facts and they go no 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 that's just like a small part of the problem small small tiny really you know very Mm -hmm. small that's not really like America, right? And then you go. Ah, I've done some data. I see there's a lot of Detroit, and they're like, no, 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 no. Look at all of our millionaire black people, right? And you go, yeah, but if you like divvy up their wealth, they actually not that rich mm-hmm. if you compare them to the white people. Mm-hmm. And this is why I say 
like the fallacy of equity is strong and like the idea of us all having different forms of equity at the bottom of the pyramid because that works a lot more efficiently than the person hypothetically at the at the top not understanding the equity Mm. right but we have to take that knock anyway and understand that the person at the top could actually not understand the madness going on below them Mm. right and that's that's why you know let's not take too much time trying to work out why they don't know what they're doing right and try and stick to like the collective who are all for the most part got an understanding and that's what I agree with you in the last couple of years and hopefully into this year we're seeing this hum of change because more people are understanding you know the beginning of what I said the white man's not getting his job back more of them are understanding that and they're saying actually so how do we change that how do I stop getting angry at that and transfer my anger to something else? How do I educate myself? How do I find myself better ways of making myself healthy? Because it wasn't healthy being angry like this. Generational hate mm-hmm. has led to ill health in my community over a group of people who didn't do nothing to me. I want to read a proverb to you that I posted on our mm. Black Equity Network on Instagram. Mm. Uh, it's an African proverb, and it says, what an old man sees from the ground, a child cannot see, even if he stands on top of a mountain. I'll say it one more time. Mm. What an old man sees from the ground, a child cannot see, even if he stands on top of a mountain. I'm going to connect that to, to something we're saying here. I think from what you're, you've given me some really great wisdom in this conversation. And I, I want to thank you. I think the white man was lied to. Yeah. Right. And the white man was lied to by saying, Hey, as long as you're white, you good. Mm. And you'll just be better than the black folk. And then the black folk will be at the bottom. And then they realize, wait, we're going to bring in other people into uh, these different countries and you know black people will come up a little bit and then the mexicans will be underneath them or the indian and so all the stuff started shifting and then the white people lost their jobs recently and now all of a sudden white people are like wait i thought i was better than black folk and then they and then they looked to the left and right and said wait we the same we all just people and there was never a top they thought that everybody and what here's oh ooh, i gotta say this <laughs> i gotta say this Black, there are some black people around the globe today who now think that they are the new white. And they think that because they have a little bit of money in their pocket, now they're going to the top. But it's almost as if they don't even recognize that there was never a top. We we're we're now finally all coming together, saying no, there was never a top. And then black people, some black people, said, "Oh, this is our opportunity to go to the top." They don't think there's a top, and so now there's people running off, thinking that they're better than everyone else. And it's almost like, wait, you're going to repeat the same cycle. I'm going to say this yeah. other thing, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. 
for the longest time, men would gather mm. with other men and they would figure out ways to be more important than women, yeah. right? And in, in many different ways. And so all these years, women have fought for uh, equality, equity, mm. to, to make sure they had a voice. And so the moment that there is a women's movement, their decision was, okay, we're gaining some power. What we're going to do is, as women, we're going to all gather together only with women and make sure that men don't make it to the top. And I'm just saying, wait. If it didn't work for men all gathering together to make sure women didn't get to where they wanted to, why would y'all do all, why would you then all women come together and say, well, men can't come? Wait, that's the same thing, but in reverse. This is why I want to stay at the bottom. It's why I want to stay down here. It's crazy to say it when I'm such a progressive and I believe in the, the, the power of education liberating you, but the liberation to go where? Mm. Mm, I feel you because this is where this is this is this is where I'm at now and I've sat in it I've decided I'm gonna stay down here I don't care if I got a PhD um there's accolades in the UK um a bit like um in America there's like um the presidential awards and yeah like things like mm-hmm. you could get some of these things um colonial problems with them or not you could get these things, right? But at the end of the day, the, the, the groundwork still needs to be done. Groundwork still always needs to be done. You know, food shelters became such a norm in this country that I think that's honorable work now. Working in a food bank, providing pro, you know, promise to people who've had it taken away. Because maybe that's where the infiltration of the, the negative malice is really perpetuated. This is where the sinkhole begins, or maybe that's where those ideologies um, of, um, what's it called? Evil, I'm just going to say evil thoughts right now because I can't remember what the proper term of it is, but you know when people get um, radicalised, there we go. Maybe mm. that's where radicalization happens, right? When someone hits their lowest and they're given a peanut. Mm. And it, it seems possible. And so, you know, today is a mo- monumental day for um, Americans as they remember the day that something they had never thought of happening happened an insurrection on their uh, Capitol building by white folk. Right. And I say that not, not, not being. Uh, disinclusive of the non-white people who were there. I know they were there. I saw the pictures. You want to be like your analogy you gave that one black person is like, I am now part of the group. I can do whatever I like. And you're like, no, you can't. <laughs> right. Um, like people revoking their cookout card you're just like no I don't know this person aren't they your cousin no Mm -mm. Mm. don't know them you know I I like to joke about because we have to give a little bit of humor of course of course moment happened and nobody 
I'm sure nobody saw it coming. For me, what the worst part was seeing that it was orchestrated. We're seeing that people had T-shirts. T-shirts don't get made overnight. That shows planning, baby. That means people were getting ready like it was going to Christmas. Like they were going to an NFL game. Right. They got their merchandise. You know, people had stuff written on it, branded with Trump and everything. So they knew where they were going. Okay, so that was a moment for me to watch all people get leveled. Mm. There was a moment, it didn't last for very long, but there was a moment that I watched where people went, damn, again, we're not not strong enough for this. And now I'm waiting and I really hope I'm going to just keep saying what you're saying. I really hope that this harm is continuing to 2022 because it means that the ethos and the ideas of those children who are five at the moment get a good stepping ground. I think I had a good stepping ground because I was off the back of Tupac. So I grew up in this ideology that there were people trying it wasn't to get out of the hood, but they were trying to say that the hood idea was a fallacy. Mm. You know, we had m- more money, more problems. These songs at that time were telling us get rich quick is not the answer. They were telling us, they were telling us that these ideologies might not work. And at the same time, we had our early groups of Black society telling us, you know, you can't expect Black people to be Democrats. We were seeing affluent Black society showing you that it's not a given that they're going to be Democrats. We have the same in the UK. We have affluent Black society who are conservatives. That's Mm -hmm. the equivalent of the Republicans in the uh, USA. And so you see these things. And if you do a little bit more reading, and you learn about what's happening across the African continent, across um, a lot of South Asia or East Asia, you see all of these symmetrical things happening of the divide between conservatism and liberalization and uh, socialization. And you see that that there was a moment of equalization with the insurrection, in my opinion. There was a moment where people said, well, but we believe in doing this voting thing. And I sat back and went, why? It's never worked. Not really. And I go back to my analogy. This little white guy was told that his job was stolen from him by ethnic minorities and they're lower than him so what they had to do is work really hard to get rid of them so they could get their jobs back we've done brexit now and here specifically they've realized that wasn't the solution the insurrection showed that because if people could be mad so mad so angry because of misinformation doctrinization 
all of these kind of things around ideologies, then it can go amiss and it doesn't work out. Mm. And so now we have people trying to work out what do we do instead? And so I'm very much enjoying people saying, okay, I'm just going to educate myself on myself. So I'm going to work on the fact that I don't, it doesn't sit well with me that my ancestors went to Australia and were part of that. Or I'm not going to, it's not going to sit well with me that my family were part of going to China during the opium wars. I actually understand that was not a good thing. Yeah. It's not something to celebrate. Giving China a history of addiction to drugs. You know, that's not a good thing. Understanding in the UK, we're having this big thing of people education themselves about the process of bill making and understanding why many black groups across America came to the UK and encouraged us to think about restructuring our police system. And loads of people understanding across race groups why that should be something they should be part of a conversation and understand it rather than having a, like this standoff relationship with it and being like, no. The insurrection helped them go, okay, let's have a conversation. I have my opinion, mm-hmm. but it doesn't make yours invalid. Right. Because we don't talk, that happens. That's what mm. not talking looks like. That's gotcha. where one side decides to take over the conversation and that's not cute. And I think that's what that, com- that day really did to the conversation. It really helped, in my opinion, the whole world kind of take a moment to go, okay, that happened. And I think for Americans, that's not the way they thought they would be the leaders in um, voting systems. Mm -hmm. I think um, I remember Kamala Harris saying that they were looked to by other nations for guidance on how to do voting. And I was like, really? I know that that happened. I, I thought it was more you went into other countries and told them, that they had to have a voting system. Mm-hmm. But okay, um, they look to you. Let's use that phrasing. And I do think that in some ways, seeing that process happen, seeing that um, event happen, did make people go, okay. So, in mm-hmm. the UK, we thought we might have to give MPs more security. Can't just have uh, MPs just walking around town. They're mm. the equivalent to your senators. We gotcha. might need to give their offices some security. Mm. Seems like that could be a thing here because people seem quite angry on both sides. And so I saw that and I think that was progressive, but it doesn't take away the fact that it's still a fallacy. Or let's use. Um, Education language, a theory. Mm. It's just Equi- a theory. Equity is just a theory. It's just a theory. You know, we, we we use it, but we don't know if it works. Biden said something today that 
it blew my mind. I, I was like, wait. Well, first of all, let me let me say this. You're probably like, this is finally the speech writer got it right. <laughs> well, I don't know if he got it right, but oh, okay, okay. So I'm listening. First of all, I'm looking. I, I'm hearing that they're having a speech about what happened a year ago. And I said, yeah. well, it was all a facade. Why are we having a speech on something that was fake anyway? I mean, it really happened, but it was it. It was or- like you said, it was orchestrated. The guards let him in. Like, what are we doing here? Right? Like, so I'm just thinking, we we'll just move on. No, we're gonna have a, a speech today. Yeah. It's like, okay, let's let me listen in. And he says in the middle of a speech that America has always been a place of peace. Oh yeah, I remember. And I said, which America are you talking about? No, but this happens a lot. It happens a lot because I watch very um, different forms of um, news. And the reason I do this is because I like sitting in my seat and thinking it through, right? Quite often I see different Americans, and I say different Americans because I really think it's special that America has this different way of governing right I don't think knocking on wood on myself okay okay I don't think there's anywhere else on the planet that calls itself a united but yet every state governs itself and then within the state there's little town halls doing different stuff right the most ununited united place in the world i've never seen it anywhere else people can come tell me where it exists somewhere i think else, one's but... coming so i was researching and it's called the united it's, it's arab united something arab oh wow um it's it's a uae united arab emerging or it's where oh, uh dubai is oh no right and so maybe they'll get I, it right as soon as i saw the word united i said well i know that's not i don't care who you are if you put United in front of something, it's not accurate. <laughs> I mean, we're people. But it's anyway. true. It's true. It's true. But every time I'm, they're doing a piece. So recently, I heard them doing a piece on the um, people crossing through borders, mm-hmm. and they were talking about the Haitians, mm. and then they they just. Whoop, this is what I do, sorry for anyone's ears, but they did this whoop, and started talking about Mexicans. And I was like, hmm, okay. Mm. And then they just did it again whoop, and started talking about Latinx. And I was like, you're talking about it like they're all immigrants. Mm. They're not the same, don't have similarities. I wouldn't lump them together. I wouldn't really talk about their migration history together at all mm-hmm. like when we're talking about is it the dreamers mm-hmm. when we're talking about that do you really want to compare that to the haitians mm. i don't know i i wouldn't have and they were talking about you know everyone was built on the dream of coming to america i was like ah! i don't know if you could say that about all these people because slaves did not have the dream 
Well, before they were slaves, yeah. they were humans. But they that didn't was, have the dream. Yeah. They didn't. Slavery was the nightmare. They didn't have the dream. Not everybody had the dream of coming to America. So you can't say that for the thing you're talking about. You want to talk about America, you can talk about migration, but I wouldn't say everyone had a dream. And then they will talk about, in a different article, they're talking about um, the need for people to have autonomy of their bodies, right? And they would say that America was founded on equity. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Mm-mm. Because if it was equitable, the even though people wouldn't want me to say this, it's the truth. Those who were part of the uprising in the South who lost in that war would not have had rights to bear arms. Because in war, the loser doesn't keep their stuff. Russia didn't get to keep their stuff. Germany didn't get to keep their stuff. That's modern history that you can tangibly remember, you know, history class or Mm -hmm. life. You know that they didn't get to keep their stuff. This was a showing of where inequitable stance in America happened. Blacks who were freed at that time didn't get to keep their land. It wasn't wasn't built on equity. So I actually see it all the time when they say these phrases. And I'm like, is it because they're trying to be timely and unify? But you and I see that phrase, hear that phrase and go, well, it's not actually true. It's to, to me, you know, I grew up, I said this before a long time ago on the podcast. I grew up like watching magic tricks. <clears throat> you mean like the ones on, on, on by the magician? Yeah, you know, okay. the card game or the whatever, pull something out of your ear. And, and so I used to grow up watching magic tricks and like studying them. So I, I should stop saying watching, studying magic yeah. tricks, right? And not because I wanted to be a magician. I just didn't want nobody to pull over anything on me. Like, like, hold on. Is this really real? And so I would just study them and study them and figure it out. And be like, oop, slide a hand. Oop, something underneath the table. Oop, oop, oop. I would find all the oops. And so now I find myself, 36 years old, watching yeah. Biden, looking at all these different things happening in the world. And I'm just like, oop magic trick that ain't real that what you just did right there that that thing that you just when you flipped and that was the hand underneath the tip that slide of hand when Kamala says you know of course Biden is the president I I don't know maybe he's not (laughs) and so a lot of times I watch these not even necessarily news I don't even watch the news anymore I kind of just watch clips of things that kind of surface you know, like through Twitter or something else, I'm like, ooh, that's a bad magic trick. Like, I'm just looking at the magic trick. I'm like, that ain't, I can see right through it. But somehow it's working on a majority of people where they're just like, yeah. oh. That, that's why I use the word unify. I don't know if it, you know, like the, um, I'm going to use this one as a, as a phrase. You know, when they talk about militants mm-hmm. and they talk about the work that they did to, keep our nation safe mm-hmm. i'm like that's the biggest magic trick mm. 
That's the biggest. Why you say that? Why you say that? Because to the other side, if you're living in the country that's celebrating that side, mm-hmm. it's a oxymoron. Because you could be living, let's say, let's say if you're a Frenchman, mm-hmm. but you're originally from Cameroon. Gotcha. Celebrating the victory of France in Cameroon, to, you know, like it's an mm-hmm. oxymoron. Right. Gotcha. Because to you, it's a magic trick. Mm-hmm. It unifies them. That's great. Let's celebrate this time. But it's not really the right phrasing. But we see it all the time. And, you know, right now we had a big one where there was a famous statue pulled down in the UK. And uh, four um, people were not convicted for pulling it down. Mm -hmm. But the man whom the statue was created of was someone who sold hundreds of thousands of people into slavery. Hmm. And the people in the area had just seen their statue pulled down. And so there was a divide. The people who got why the statue should be pulled down and the people who didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And today we've seen more people on the didn't get it side protesting the fact that these protesters didn't get convictions for pulling the statue down and watching people yet again try to explain to these people it's it's your magic trick you're supposed to believe that the statue was a good thing yeah you know the statue was put up you're meant to go ooh Look mm-hmm. at the statue. Yeah. How do we get it up there? Mm. I don't know. But it's up. <laughs> and you're meant to like just kind of move past it. Because it's just this magical thing that's there. Mystically. You don't know when it was erected. You don't know who it is. You don't know why they got it. But it's there. And that's cool. But yep. when it was pulled down, which is you working out the magic trick, mm-hmm. now they're upset. Because why would you do that? Why would you explain the trick to me? Mm. I don't like that. You know, you, you, you're touching on something that I found is because we reveal what the magic trick is, a lot of people are upset because they paid $50 to, to be tricked. They wanted to be tricked. That's why they went to the magic show. Trick me. Yeah, don't do not do that. Yeah, don't tell me the truth. Don't let, let me believe in the optical illusion of it all. And I guess I just was never that kid. Now that adult. I was just, I was, when, you, when you keep saying five-year-olds, I keep picturing me when I was five. And yeah. knowing that one day I'd be sitting here talking to you and preparing myself for all the different things that the world was throwing at us. Yeah. And I just couldn't, I don't care how much I paid for the ticket. If I can see that the magic trick ain't real, 
What do you want me to do? Pretend? Believe. Believe. Mm. I, yeah. I can't. You know, believing is such a strong word. I know, but okay, I'm going to do this just because I started the conversation with you saying that I'm sat in a place where I've learned a lot in six days. Mm. I've seen people raising money for an institution I believe in, which is the first ever Afro-Caribbean bookshop in yeah. the UK. Right. No, there's been, there was no other for years, decades. Mm-hmm. And it sold just Afro-Caribbean books. Okay. Right. And then it was saying it was going to shut down. So mm-hmm. many of us, people like my, like-minded like me, mm-hmm. tweeted them like, you just can't shut down. Right. That's it. You just can't. Okay. You're our magic trick. Mm. You were supposed to be the beacon of change. Okay. Fair enough. This is our, I don't know, a big museum for you guys in the US is, but this is our... British history. Gotcha. So if the VNA, which is Victoria and Albert, Big Queen Museum, mm-hmm. can stay alive, you can stay alive. Gotcha. Symbolism. If you uphold this 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 idea yeah. that we can exist in this space. Mm-hmm. We can sell our books. We can find books where needed. Your intrinsic, you know, um, what's it called? Um, representation of mm-hmm. us. So they did a big crowd front. So I was like, now I have to work it out. How do we stay sustainable? I have to work it out because as a black owned business myself if something monumental and I'm going to use your term here magic tricky like mm-hmm. this can shut down mm-hmm. in a world where we're seeing black pound a day more black um, owned superstores we're seeing the movement of black YouTube um, TV channels uh, pushing our shows. Like I love to talk about um, Issa Rae and her TV shows and pushing of all of these things. If we're seeing that, right, go right back to the beginning of our conversation. Is this sustainability or is this copying? Hmm. I'm six days into 2022 and I'm already trying to work out. <laughs> right. Did I miss something? Should we have let it shut down and just seen it for what it was? Is that there was an inability to sustain an idea? Or is this a wake-up call to us that you just can't have something. That's not how it works. You don't feed it. It won't exist. 
And that's how other fallacies stay. Mm. That fight for equity is because we feed it. But so our, our businesses, our representation in society has mm. to be fed. We don't, it won't. So how do we sustain that? That's a great question. So did the so is the bookstore closed or is it not? Yeah, it is. It's alive. It's alive. Back and breathing. Yeah. Okay. We the the crowdfund raised fifty thousand pounds in two days. Gotcha. That's big dollars. Gotcha. So, you know, you you mentioned something before we began recording, and I I had something I wanted to say to you. You were talking yeah. about black businesses. Oh, I wrote it. I wrote it down here because this is something. This is a thought I've been having for a while. You talked about, you know, black owned, mm-hmm. and I said I was going to, you know, look into a black owned uh, watch maker, mm-hmm. um, which I am. As soon as I find one, I'll shoot it over to you. Yeah, I'm going to ask you one qu- one question that probably will lead into um, a really great dialogue, but then I have something after that. Mm-hmm. That was a monumental shift mm. in my thinking. Mm. So before we get there, my question to you is why is supporting black owned businesses so vital for you? Um, why is that so important for you and your day-to-day life? I think as a child, I watched two people do that and move away from it. So I watched my parents buy things and try and make it representative for me. So like I had these dolls in my room that were made in America because that's the only place my mom at the time could find Afro looking baby dolls. And they like had all the same as some of the other kitties, white dollies, but they were black. And my mom like when all um, she went really far up north on the Google. This doll came all the way from like up north from a toy store because it was the only black mermaid doll. Mm. Like she worked really hard to find like afro hair it had. It didn't have like yeah. long hair. Um and I watched her do all this stuff. Like she'd buy normal dolls and paint them black. Mm. And give them curly hair or, you know, like you do all this stuff so that I had representation and I wouldn't have to grow up being like surrounded by not me. So then it imprints in my brain, subliminally or not, that you're not included. Mm. And I remember going into school. This is why I'm really giving you backstory. I went into school with this book that had a story about a black daddy taking his daughter to the park. Mm-hmm. And I loved this book. And a boy ripped a page in it. Mm. I cried so much because I didn't understand why he would rip my book. And then um, I grew up and I used to love going to the library. And every year, there was only one bookcase that was reeled out with black books on it. And it was supposed to have been taken from all the shelves across the library. And I used to be like, 
surely not all the black books can fit on this. <laughs> it was, it was had to like pick every year different lots, and sometimes there were other books, but it really didn't change that much. And I got to meet my hero, who was one of the first black authors I ever read, Marilyn Blackman, and she gave me a hug. And she told me I can be whatever I want to be. And I remember in that moment, the bubble popped. I was the only black kid. Mm. Okay. The bubble popped forever. I went back into the library and I asked them, why is there only these black books? And I suggested some new black books they could buy for the library. Mm-hmm. I started saying to my school library, you know, you know, you could like get these books, not for Black History Month. Like, it shouldn't be Black History Month the first time the book shelf comes out and they show us all these books and people can buy books for their kids. My school was being progressive, don't get it wrong, but it happened every Black History Month. The school would get Black attacked and and American Black attacked. Not even Black attacked UK. Black attacked with Malcolm X, Martin Luther King. It's like there was no black people in the UK. It was just everybody, you know, Harriet Tubman. I love all of these names, but it's almost like there weren't anyone in the UK to put on the walls. And so I remember telling my teachers, you know, there was famous violinists, theatre productions, black Tudors, you know, all of these black people back in medieval times. They're like, And for people who are listening, it's a pause because there was a moment of pause because these people didn't know about this. Yeah. And I realised it's about purchasing power because if you don't know where to buy it, then you won't see it. And then if you don't buy it and then make it visible, then people don't go for it. And then the, the more I did that with every essence of my life, like I would go out of my way to like go to an event as like a young teenager in like another bit of my area just to like do a painting workshop because it would be really cool to like learn how to paint and do life drawing with a black person like there wouldn't be gazillions of white people doing it maybe closer to me but if I go all the way to this one it's the only one by a black person and then I got older and I went to like a Swahili talk all about like the, the language of Swahili. And you meet different Black people from all different t- parts of London. That's where I was residing. And you realise like there's all these yummy stories about life and you know, like um, migration and people's existence in the UK. But you didn't get that if you went to the, I don't know, story on speaking English. Like you wouldn't. Um, the, the, the chance of me meeting these interesting people and their migration was going to be a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. And I say that a little bit lower because as black folk, we enjoy opera. You would still see black people there. So I just use it as an example of maybe something people think black people don't do. They are there. But that was the early pop for me, meeting my hero in um literal literacy studies and then doing that little bit of going out of my comfort zone to go to places or purchase things and meeting people because it was just so great 
hearing their existence. And then it changed, um, got to about 22. And I was just like, again, to some extent, I was looking at the Americas to this. And I was looking at like, you guys seem to be a head in the hair cosmetics world. There seemed to be a lot of Conradship in universities. Like we didn't have that at my school anyway. We didn't have this thing of like, oh, you were in beta club? Yeah, yeah. There was none, none, none of that. Like <laughs> you just went to, you just went, that's it, that's it. You didn't, you didn't, you couldn't like say the university and everyone else go, oh my gosh, that wasn't, that wasn't a thing. But right. I used to say to some of my friends who are still in university, like you should create that. There should be some kind of excitement of seeing another person who went there and it's not because of race it's because of unifiety of knowing that you went to that university you know each other and you're going to network and you're going to see if that network does anything right and if it can do anything great if it doesn't no bother it's not wasted energy and then the more I did that, the more incredible I realized my network was because now I have a business where my head wraps are black holed, my bras are black holed, my sportswear is black holed. I found a black trainer company, black watch company. You know, like I was able to find all of these different groups. And then through meeting these people, I found other things. So people who are into building tech, people who are into like, building just uh, architects and um, builders I never realized how many people were trying to diversify spaces and then like I met black investor groups because Mm -hmm. you're avidly looking for something for yourself but then you meet someone through looking for something so like I found a group in my area who run uh, Saturday schools for young children I teach dance and movement and well-being stuff. I have my business, but I teach that. So I was like, hey, I'm a skilled person. Do you need this? Do you just need a body? <laughs> you know, do you, you know, like, you know, do you want someone to do um, like lunchtime duty? You know, I'm very uh, excitable. Like I can read a story to the, to the two to four-year-olds. If you want, I got, as I said before, I got DBS check, you know, use me. And those, you know, that, that's what happens in my mind when you buy black. You do more mm. than just buy an item. You buy into like the network growth. And if it's a good space, they get something out of it. So like um, one of my friends, she's a website designer. Mm-hmm. I told the woman who makes my hair products, she was saying my website is just clunky. I don't like it. I said to her, hey, meet my friend. She makes websites. I might have been a customer, really, but now I've just linked you up with someone who can make your website work better for you. Right. I'm not saying this isn't happening in any other groups. I definitely believe in the power of, like, um buying across the global majority community so that's um communities impacted by colonialization love that if you want to move like you asked earlier about across women you want to just buy from other women 
that's cool. You want to buy from other men, that's cool. I haven't got a problem with that. Um, my myself, I spent a lot of 2021 upping my net worth of men. I was like, what are you guys doing? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you like doing? Yeah. You know, just spending a bit of time outside of the uh, relationship space and more in the platonic mm-hmm. space and being right. like, I'm just interested in this. Is it more than sport? And, you know? Mm-hmm. What'd you find? So for me, I, as a person who works in the wellness business, I met mm-hmm. some really great people who write books on men's mental health. Mm. that was really moving for me and I said to quite a few people I'm sitting in my space at the moment or staying in my lane as the phrase is like I'm not trying to go into that space I will continue to um, suggest people to go to you mm-hmm. but I'm reading about you like I want mm. to see what this is and when it's able and it's a space that's not just for men because men do need space I will make myself available to be in that space because it's few and far, few, few and far between when men's spaces become non-gendered. Right. You know, it is, it's been that way. I agree with you. It's been that way because that's the idea sold to men is you have male roots. Right? It's a great magic trick. It's great, right? Yeah. But when they let us in, and I've even said this to my female friends, appreciate that. Appreciate yeah. that moment where men let us in and do a lot of listening. Yeah. Loads of listening. Unless they ask you something, do loads of listening. Because um, I think sometimes most of us are opportunity to be around men is when it's not platonic. And in any form of relationship, brother, dad, uncle, your significant other, your previous others, you know, like that hinders the ability to sometimes listen and learn. The other things was that I didn't know that much about Asian men. Mm. You know, um, I had to listen to quite a few of them talk about their guilt, Mm. talk about um, anti-blackness, you know, growing up in spaces that were religiously bigoted. Yeah. And that was really informative because I'd only heard it from the female perspective. And I hadn't heard about those trial and tribulations of some Asian men in being able to be in non-platonic spaces with Black women. Most times uh, when I have an opportunity to choose, um, especially like digital, like Clubhouse mm. or some type of social media app where it's kind of free to just click a button mm. and go in, I will go into women's spaces. Mm. Not necessarily to get on stage and say anything. I just want to listen. Mm. Right. Um, I'll go to Asian Pacific spaces. I'll go to Indian spaces mm. like the actual country, India um i'll listen to what's going on in the uk Mm. i really do the opposite of what i am because Mm. for me that's where i learn 
Exactly. But what I've what I've also learned by doing that is if you go into a woman's space and speak to a woman, then she thinks you're trying to holler at her. Mm. I just said hello. (laughs) (laughs) I just I'm like, well, but that also means that we may have created a society where most times when men and women interact there's some type of hidden agenda type thing and so people have been scarred by it I think I think it's uh okay I don't agree with it but it is what it is I think Disney and all of these kind of Mm. children programming creates a synopsis so not synopsis um, assumption Mm-hmm. of behavior it's from young that everything is surrounded by love and it has to be a love story or at least what kind of relationships exist and that's why i really enjoy the the tv shows of i think they're still millennials i think if you're 40 you're still a millennial right I, I am. I am a yeah, older okay, cool, millennial. Cool, cool, yes. cool, cool, cool. I was just making sure. because It's okay. Um, like, I feel like the people in their 40s are making some really good shows. Well, if they're in their 40s, they may not be millennials, but if they're like in their late 30s, they are. But yes. Same okay, time. no, they're 40s. They're, I'm oh, definitely okay. talking about the 40s. Okay. Um. Yeah, yeah. They're making some good shows because if okay. you think about it, like, um, most Disney that I grew up with, those mm. people are now in their 60s, right? Right. We are now seeing a different kind of energy. We're seeing women being aggressive. And it's a narrative some women don't like. And I'm like, but some of you are. Right. I mean, it is what it is. Some of you are literally like, this is what I want. That's it. That's it. We like to play on the idea that all men out here hit it quit it but mm, it's not true and we're seeing vulnerable characters of men who want to be loved but come across as gay because Mm. they got feelings we're seeing these portrayals in tv now without making them gay Mm -hmm. we're seeing these portrayals of gay people in all of their essence. Will fuck boy energy. Sorry for the expletives. If that wasn't what you wanted. But you ha- they have that. And then you have the love relationships. Whereas before. We just had like the whole conversation of AIDS. And, and life. And living on a street. And, and you know. There wasn't allowance. For nuances. And now. We're even seeing disability. We're having disabled people getting their heart crushed on TV. And people are like, oh no, maybe we should wrap them up in a bubble of just love. Mm. Just love. And it's like, that's not the way the world works. Again, I'm going to use a somewhat expletive. There's dickheads in every community, both ways. Mm -hmm. Male, female, they, them. Right? They all can be a dickhead. Everybody can be a dickhead. It's not just men. So we're shifting away from that and I'm starting to enjoy TV because we're seeing some of like these boss women who need to learn to love. Mm-hmm. Let's check ourselves, our own community. There are women who are losing out on love. 
because they're choosing work over love. And so those stories need to be told because then we can see those aspects of society. But we're also seeing some really good stories about women who portray misogyny. Mm. Get that off your chest. Yeah, we're showing, no, we're showing that women are the biggest pushers of some of this stuff. Oh, boys will be boys. Oh, you know, like he just acts that way, but she can't act that way. We're loving, we're loving. Well, if you're like me, we're loving that right now because it is starting to shift that and it, it wakes people up to that. And I see the debates. I don't get into them too often because I know where I sit with this. It's your thing and not mine. That's your energy. Great. You like... um... I'm just going to keep calling it. You like the magic trick? Yeah. That you're meant to just find a woman. She stay at home. Not stay at home. But the fallacy of she staying at home because mm-hmm. in some weird way, just in a juxtaposition, even though she could have a job, she's still the woman. Mm. Like in this weird thing, mm-hmm. an unspoken thing, you're the breadwinner. Like in this weird thing, but not said on the I do day. If you get hurt, she's going to look after your ass. But if she gets hurt, you could always divorce her and just get another wife. Mm. You know, like, if your world topples upside down, you're allowed to go on, like, a whole thing about it. But if her life goes upside down, she just got to, like, kind of keep mothering Mm. and do that. Those stories are being told right now. And I'm loving it because people are starting to have to question the magic trick Mm. because you're either on my side, which is you can slide into my DMs as much as you like. You get the same energy. Everybody gets the same energy. I don't accept dick pics. (laughs) And I don't. Goodbye. No, hold on. For full Goodbye. full disclosure, I did slide into your DMs. I know, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I just want people to know. I was very yeah, respectful. I know, I know. I'm just saying. I, I don't accept okay. dick pics. <laughs> I don't accept Bitcoin. I don't want to make don't... money. A hundred. Those people who sent me the I, do you want to make 1,000 pounds in an hour? Don't accept them. You all so, get the same energy. So so we, it was a slight, there was a slight roll I was on there. But it's all right. You broke it up. It's all right. It was well, I just got to slide in here real quick. So what was the difference between the way that I approached you than how some other people approached you? Any of those three go straight with it. They go straight what? They go straight with it. They just... They just... They just walk just, in and, and throw the Bitcoin at you or throw the picture at you. There's no, just, okay. Just, yeah. Gotcha. And I feel like that's, that's the energy you have to have if you're on my team. Like you just, you just go block. Gotcha. Now, if somebody just says, hi, how are you? Whatever. Roll with it. Yeah. You know, you never know. For me, most of the time I check the people's like bio 
And mm. if they're dope, then they're dope. Mm. You know, like some that. a lot of the Bitcoiny people you, you can see. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. Well, it's, it's sometimes their profile really shocks you and then they come in with it. So you do the high and then they're, they're that's what I mean. They're quite, they're quite quick. What I've noticed is the thing that we're calling the magic trick is also this thing called discernment, right? Mm. When you have a level of discernment, you're able to kind of see through the veil of society. Mm. And so I can literally get a message in my inbox and just see the discernment right away and say, this is not something ain't adding up. And sometimes I'll end up going back and forth. And then the questions and answering point is just the tennis match that we're playing is not going anywhere. <laughs> And so I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I mean, I've yeah, had I don't, someone... I don't get that. Straight away. Okay. Like, they come real quick, but I feel like we should be open to the sliding in the DMs. I believe so. I commenting. Mean, I... I think it would be great if we didn't think, like, on a regular basis, I say to some of my female friends, like, you look at your statistics as a business, not as a... um a person mm-hmm. and I think about like the what's it called the 10% figures when you see like men stay on your page for four minutes or something like that and you think well so these guys have mamas sure. maybe they don't think this I'm for them but they might have a mama so I'm gonna slide in the DM and be like hey my name is I do. Do they have babies? They already married. They got a fam. Maybe they could come to one of my, my family things. But you have to come with my energy to think that way. Some people mm. think the other way, which is that it's meant to be that. And I think it looks like that very quick. And that's maybe what your your words you said. Um, discernment discernment yes yeah i think it's that i just i can see that it's gonna be that next text is gonna go go too far so i was gonna say something that was a life-changing thought for me Mm -hmm. before we head out um for the longest time Mm -hmm. i was looking for black owned everything right i was oh black on bank black on shoes black on food i mean everything and also i wanted to invest as an investor i wanted to invest in black owned things mm. right oh that's black owned let me be part of it i found myself even mm-hmm. like the first two years of doing this podcast I found myself not vibing with necessarily the ownership of mm-hmm. black owned mm-hmm. companies. I may like the product, but the actual sitting down talking to these human beings that happen to be black who have a different ideology than me, I did not see myself mm-hmm. investing with them. Mm-hmm. They were a lot of a lot of people are still in the pyramid scheme of we're here for status Mm. 
and we're going to go to the next level. And and I'm kind of similar to you. I'm one of those people who's like, let's just stay on the ground, but let's be wealthy while we do it. Like mm-hmm. we can be wealthy, do the groundwork, and no one will need to know that I'm wealthy. Mm-hmm. That's the way my mind works. And a lot of other people's mind is, well, after I get this wealth, forget the people on the ground. I got to go to the next level. And then once I get to that next level, I'm going to kill everybody on that level. And then I'm going to go to the next level. And, then, and it's, just, it's just this thing, right? The thing that changed my mind, and it kind of made this podcast what it has turned into, I realized Black equity is, can be can be formed in many different ways. It doesn't have to be me investing into a Black business. I could invest into an all-white business, all-white dudes. And the moment I'm an investor, the moment that I have some type of say in the company, mm-hmm. immediately there's Black equity walking into the room. So literally today, if you're looking for a Black-owned watchmaker, I could go find a white-owned watchmaker, invest in that company, hit you up in a month and be like, well, technically this is Black-owned because I own it, right? My mind started switch, And what that did was it actually opened up my mm. opportunities to look at all type of investment. And basically anything in front of me is Black equity if I choose for it to be. No, but you're you're right, and I did I did learn that from going to the Black Investors event mm. in 2020. Um, I attended their event, and the guy said, you know, it might not just be Black owned, right? So the business could be fronted by all white people, but the angel investor in them that actually makes them able to do their work with black. Correct. Or it could be that the the uh, business is owned by a white person, mm-hmm. but everyone's black who actually does it. Right. And I know that it's difficult for people to like visualize, but uh, here's a statistic I found out that um, 64% of new businesses in America specifically black women led have mm-hmm. a token white guy because they know it will get them funding yeah and i thought that was sad when i read it first because i thought why and i i changed the term from co-founder to token white guy because let's be honest this it's a hair brand for black people <laughs> The brother can't use the product. Mm. So you've definitely brought him on board to help with business development, mm-hmm. marketing, mm-hmm. finance, skills that you might not have. Let's say comms. Let's not say that you could have the finance down, but he's really good at comms or something. You know, mm-hmm. as you look at all different kinds of roles, fundraising, policy, uh, human resources. There could be all different reasons why this guy is in your business. Right. But we know that a lot of Black women have done that. And I felt it was sad because it meant that instead of the white man being in the business because he he could be there for his resources, he's there because he's still an enabler. 
mm-hmm. and it still portrays a system that we need them to be able to push our businesses they can't just flourish and so i say to people all the time yeah it is a struggle me investing in black owned businesses because i have to acknowledge that the black owned businesses i i acquire from could be black owned in many different ways but i try because i like the network mm. i like meeting the different people i want these sisters who have a token white guy throw it to me let me understand your white guy let me see the work you're doing allyship in the, mm-hmm. in your industry maybe maybe it's you're going to be leaders in policy change maybe you're trying to talk about what we've already talked about sustainability mm-hmm. maybe you're going to change waves on that right together because he's actually a stakeholder in everything not just here to enable you to get into a room he's actually making waves in himself right and his attributes in the organization right you know that is something we can learn from those kind of business structures um we have but we have to invest first and so i still stick with my investing in black people because well, then you can you can you meet these um these systems but the other way round for me still to this day i haven't had that same nourishment by investing in a organization that is predominantly white you know i'm not invited to get to know your business mm-hmm. um i don't always feel that we're part of a movement and that's not on them that's an acknowledgement that i get if you shop from global majority brands is there's an understanding and i've spoken about this already about that indigenous third world second mm-hmm. world mm-hmm. complex in that they there's an understanding of the struggle and so people take you on their journey with them and they tell you all about what got them there and they tell you about like how their their green tea is manufactured from the very picker of the tea because they want you to understand that they're not just another big brand making tea and stuff like right that. no i think it's a eye opening discussion um i'd love to have you back in the future um what I found is if I can find something that we're aligned on, mm. that's going to make the world a better place. I'm willing to sit down and have the conversation. Now, what I find from that conversation will dictate what I do from there. If mm. I don't like the vibes, if it's if something that's not right, or like you said, well, I'm going to challenge you. That's what I'm going to do before we head out. I'm going to challenge you the way you challenge me about the remember we were talking about the gut feeling yeah you said well hey don't just run in and just do it and then also don't just say no i'm not going to do it correct am i we on on the same page 
And so what I'm saying is, hey, let's let's do an assessment. Let's do a proper assessment. What I have found, and this is just for me, because I know I'm just I'm a little I'm a little quirky. I, I know I get it. I don't necessarily fit in with a lot of black folk. I don't necessarily fit in with a lot of white. I really don't fit in with anybody. Okay. This is really not a black thing. This is just a, a DJ Motri thing. I don't really fit in. And I'm okay with that. I've gotten over it. It used to be a thing, but I don't fit in. And so I'm not really like tied to like, oh, I have to do this or I have to do that. What I am most uh, interested in is good people, mm. good soil. And if if we can find commonality that the good soil is going to produce great fruit or great soil will produce great fruit, then I'm like, okay, you may not even like me and I might not even like you, but there's some great soil here. There's some great fruit that can come from this. Let's figure this thing out and I will do what I do best. You do what you do best and I'll get out your way. That's kind of where my mind has gone. It used to be black, 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 all black. Let's do black, black, boom, black. And what I found was, and this is for anybody. So anybody who hears this, don't take no shots here. Not all blackness is in great soil. Not all whiteness is in great soil. Not all Asians are in great soil. I got to say all this because people get, they get their feelings hurt. So I'm, so I decided, well, let me stop worrying about color. Because now I'm just playing somebody else's game. The color game is somebody somebody else created that game of, of hierarchies of, of colors. And so I started looking at, because you, you said something before we started recording, you used the word sustainability. What's sustainable? What's sustainable is great soil. And if I can find great soil, then I'll look up and say, oh, this happens to be a group of white folk. Oop, you know, it is what it is. No, but that's why I'm that's why I said I don't have any qualms with buying from anyone. Yeah. Right? My watch is bought from a white store. Yeah. With all white goods in it. Um, I'm sure if there was a black owned business in there, they probably would have had like little things saying black owned business because yeah. I keep seeing that in certain stores. They yeah. like show off that they got black owned businesses in there now. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I rely on them because they were small owned. Yeah. They're an old jewelers that was work, work the ground work their way from the ground up right Mm. and so they're now reputable because they were a small business Mm -hmm. and so I can trust them to buy my watch I know that they have really great um watch menders and stuff I ain't got a problem with that um I also haven't got a problem going to my I'm actually going to say this my now favorite cookie supplier because this is a was a white guy um he opened up a cookie uh company eggless vegan cookies i can't Shout eat out. egg Shout so i'm not even about the vegan bit but i can't eat egg so okay. i was like i'ma eat all these right i'ma have 12 now and you've got 19 you say <laughs> so i can have another different 12 mm. another time and then i can shift between them all yeah for the next 12 box I can just eat all of these. I don't yeah. actually have to be careful because I can't eat egg. Mm. Um, and now that, that didn't have to be a black owned business. 
and gotcha. it's like, oh, it's not black and I could just say this is great, and they were great cookies. I'm actually salivating thinking about. I, I, I'm, I can tell. I mean, yeah, I want to get so a snack they, too. Yeah, it's a great snack. Um, they also do vegan ice cream. So okay. when it gets, it, I bought those at Christmas. So when it's a bit warmer, I might okay. be able to save the the ice cream. You let me know when they start shipping internationally so we can make some connections happen here. I might just need to come visit. Yeah, the vegan uh, vegan cookies. I don't mm-hmm. have a problem with that. But gotcha. my not problem, just a comment was that I feel the connection, the network, the, gotcha. the, the working together happens mm-hmm. with ease. Not always productive. I'm going to use your words, good soil. Not mm-hmm. always a comradeship. Yes, there's definitely, we have to talk about it. The people who are just trying to get up, get, you know, blow up, you know, get to their millions. And sometimes they're not trying to take their everyday customers, their loyal fans with them. They start having an automated Instagram comments. So you can't even like, have an mm. interaction with them anymore mm. you know the team gets big so the email account just goes to junk maybe you know you have to get that special their real email address mm-hmm. to be able to do that interview piece mm. i don't mind that it's the real it's the realness of life it's fine we don't have crumbs I agree with you wholeheartedly, but I'm here for the small business. I love the idea of feeding into people and looking for people. And so, yeah, I do look for black owned businesses because they don't, they don't get the space, the time, the investment. Yeah. Um, and it's just the facts. No, I but, agree. Um, global majority suits me great. And I will buy from white people. I will. hundred percent. My biggest allies in the last year have been white people. Mm. They, you know, it, it wasn't because of the environment. It was just because they were good people. Mm. You know, so we, we've got to give credit to people who are good people. Um, but yeah, I will always keep shouting about investing black, of global course. majority, just because of the stats. Not because there's not other people doing good stuff. No, I agree. Uh, Candice, this has been one of one Longest. of my favorite conversations. I'll be honest with you. Well, yeah, it, it was. I didn't know we were taught this long, but I'm not mad at it. I, <laughs> I did was waiting not... for the sustainability question, and I was like, oh, this is going? Okay. <laughs> I, 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 if I went too far or too long, I do apologize. But. No, so um, right. I will say this. I want to make sure I say this on the record too. When we first connected and we we're going to have this conversation, I had no clue uh-huh. that we would talk this in depth. Yeah. And so I want to thank you for allowing us to really take it there today. A lot of people don't want to take it there. You know, it's just a, mm-hmm. a flub. You know, they'll talk about what they do and then they out. <laughs> right. And so I appreciate you for wanting to, go there with me to learn understand for us to understand each other uh, i believe our audience is going to be blessed when they hear this uh, conversation mm. um so for those who want to connect with you 
yeah. and collaborate with you, how can they do that before we head out? Okay. I'm going to make it simple. If you're on Instagram, please just go to at N-B-E-F-I-T-N-E-S-S, N-B-E Fitness. Just because I have a great few counts on Instagram and it gets a bit confusing because I am a great many things, but just me, please go to MBE Fitness. Please just interact yourself with the different ways that we do our content. And then we've got like IG lives, we've got IG TVs, we've got some audio content that will be being produced across the year. We've got posts. Try and like integrate yourself into the way that we um, do our posts and see what we're up to and see what works for you um and get to know us um obviously as the founder you can tell from this podcast I think about a great many things not just uh well-being um but if you ever want to learn about the other things I'm happy for you to start in the DMs and I can direct you to where I talk about other things but at this moment in time I'm just trying to build up like-minded people who put wellness and their mind at the front of keeping ourselves healthy because we are living longer and we've got to be around each other for longer. So if we're healthy, that's one thing, take off the box. Yeah. I would argue okay. that this conversation has been about wellness. The whole thing, it's been about the wellness of humanity. Yeah. And so I, like I said, I'm glad we took it there. Um, hopefully you and I are staying connected and, um, continue to support one another's businesses and ventures, um, and just look out for each other. We might have to do that volcano trip one day soon where we just go explore and inhabited, um, or uninhabited, uh, locations. That would be dope. Um, I've always been down for Netflix series. So, you know, like volcanoes and food well we got to have the food i mean yeah i mean sustainability is all about eating <laughs> i gotta be able to eat but uh yeah we're gonna do that i want to thank you again for coming to black You're equity welcome. podcast and you and i will talk again soon If you enjoyed today's episode, head over to mbefitness.com and learn more about all the great work that Candice is doing to create a more inclusive society. Thank you again for offering a fascinating perspective on the world. You are the definition of black equity. We'll see you next time on Black Equity Podcast.